this is my very first workout voice memo. <sighs> All right, so day one, morning one is officially in the books. So I just completed five and a half kilometers. I gotta say, my cardio isn't what I hoped it would be. So yeah, that's it for day number one, I think. First test run with the new Bosch Fitness Tracker. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. Jeff, seriously, that voice memo that you sent me after your work out, that didn't sound like you were actually working out. You weren't, right? You were just sitting on your couch. Uh, come on. No, of course not. But I didn't want to sound <laughs> like like you in the middle of your run and have everyone listen to me okay. know, heaving as I'm trying to catch my breath. I, I really appreciated how how authentic, <laughs> we'll, we'll use the word authentic, your your voice messages were. <gasps> yeah, I was actually exhausted, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, uh, what we did here was, for a few days, Melaine and I got to try out a new form of fitness tracker that's supposed to represent really a paradigm shift in the smart wearable device market. Exactly, because it puts artificial intelligence right on your wrist, which hasn't been possible before. That's Edge AI, and that's the topic for today's episode. My name is Jeff Kostaitis. And my name is Melina Otworth. Welcome to From Know-How to Wow. Melina, do you have a typical workout routine that you use? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I usually go for a run two to three times a week during um, lunchtime. Um, and the other days I try to squeeze in a home workout uh, right before work. So just using some free internet stuff or, um, well, a training app. Mm -hmm. And I also love to do some yoga once a week, uh -huh. usually on a chilled Saturday or Sunday. What about you? Uh, well, from my side, before we had uh, Corona quarantine or, or Teil lockdown in, in Germany, uh, most I'll days I was again. actually going to <laughs> Teil lockdown. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, what? <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you say, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, before, before Corona teen, um, I would most days go to CrossFit Stuttgart, which is not very far from my flat. Mm -hmm. Um, there, you know, the coaches are doing all the programming. So basically you just, you just show up and you end up getting a really, really wide variety of movements and workouts. Mm. And then also I was, I was as well running once or twice a week. Corona teen. <laughs> Love <What>? that. <laughs> <laughs> to me personally, um, working out and exercise on a regular basis even got more important during Corona times because I mean, I'm really not a big fan of that home office feeling, you know, where you just yeah, get up in the morning, you go straight to your desk, start mm -hmm. working and then yep. just sit there for the rest of the day. My commute Basically. of so, five meters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, running for me, um, for example, now really plays a crucial role in order to just be outside, have some fresh air. And that's then basically pretty much the only time of day I get to be outside nowadays. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, from my side these days, honestly, I'm doing very, very little um, especially compared to before. You know, I used to have, I used to have, you, you remember when we first went to 
to Berlin for the first recording, I had those those horrible calluses on my hands. Oh, wow, yeah. They are completely gone now. Um, and it took, one, it took months to build up those things, and now it took months to go away. But, I mean, the point is I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Um, you know, I have, mm. I have a friend who coerces me to going running in the woods. Workout buddy. That's always great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so yeah, where, where before I had a wearable that I was wearing every day and I was really using the app multiple times every day, checking my, the stress I had built up, checking how, how my recovery was progressing, getting information on, um, how I should be sleeping. Um, mm. I don't even, I don't even wear it anymore. So that's how that's oh, how really? far that's how far I've fallen when it comes to fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when I think of of my smartwatch, um, I, I didn't expect it at first, to be honest. But I really got fond of it, and it it kind of became part of my daily routine. So I mm -hmm. wear it every day, yep. track every workout, exercise, every walk <laughs> that I'm doing, just mm, to have counts. it on my watch, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then it would tell me, oh, you did something today, Melina, great, good job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is that I still need to select manually what kind of workout or movement I'm doing, and sometimes I forget about that, and then the watch asks me after like 10 minutes, hey, are you working out, baby? So it doesn't turn on the tracking automatically. That would be convenient. Coming to our content, a few weeks ago, you and I um, got to come together and actually sit at a meeting room in Bosch. And we were really allowed, I think it's fair to say, a, a glimpse of the future. Hell yeah. Hey, Moena. Hey, Jeff. Nice to see you again. We were there to pick up the brand new fitness tracker that Bosch SensorTech built. When I told a colleague of mine earlier today that I had to leave a meeting to, to go and get the fitness tracker... Immediately, he was like, oh, my God, can you send me a picture and tell me what you think? And yeah. I'm, I'm super hyped about that. <laughs> I hope you told him no. Sorry. You this is only for NDA. selected, sorry. very important people, so <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get started? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So there are some uh, 15 built-in activities. Okay. And if, if you want to use them, you have to, you, you have to wear the tracker in a specific orientation. Okay. And after this, if you want to personalize... This is Kaustub Gandhi, a product manager at Bosch SensorTech. And he gave us an introduction into this new tracking device. Or you can learn completely new types of activities. And we should make this very clear. This is a demo device. So Bosch is not starting to sell fitness trackers, but Kaustub uses it to showcase what the sensor inside can do. Those sensors are what Bosch produces and sells. Activities. Okay, okay. Yeah, because what we're looking at right now is you're, you're holding the sensor itself, and it looks like a regular watch band. Yeah. It's got the nice Bosch branding on it, mm -hmm. yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then it's a little bigger than a normal, normal watch face, but right, right. I'm sure it'll get miniaturized. The sensor itself is 3 millimeter by 4 millimeter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it is... Um, That's it is really small. small. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think compared to all the previous episodes, this is the fastest we ever made you go, wow. <laughs> Well, what can I say? Uh, I was I was pretty fascinated by it and this technology overall. Uh, you know, looking back on it, I think in that meeting room alone, I think I said wow a dozen times. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for all of our dear listeners, um, to be able for you to create a picture of what we were looking at during the meeting, it's a plastic disc, uh, half the size of a matchbox, I'd say. Uh, 3D printed mm -hmm. uh, that you can strap on your arm. 
And that's exactly what we'll be doing next. Well, Kaustip goes first. So for example, I'm doing side lateral raise right now. And it can not only classify the activity, it can also count it. Oh, so without telling it, I mean, you're yeah. doing the movement right now and yeah. the tracker identified that you're doing side lateral. Exactly. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, so what so what we just saw is he's wearing he's wearing the sensor on his right nope, left wrist. And he just did an example of side lateral raises. So raising his hand from the side of his leg up parallel to his body. And as he was doing it, the device was sensing that. And you could already see the result in the interface of the app. That was really wow. Mm-hmm. I I didn't expect that functionality. You can hear those little beeps in the recording. That is a smartphone app increasing the count of the repetitions without any setup. Yeah, and and the app itself is basically just the visual interface. All the computation happens on the tracker, on the device itself. Here's Kostub explaining in an interview that we recorded after an introduction to the tracker. Absolutely, that's quite true. So the processing of all of the learning, personalization, and recognition itself, this all happens inside the sensor itself. So there is absolutely no need for a user to worry about privacy. That's right, because data doesn't get sent to the cloud to analyze it. You don't even need to have your smartphone nearby if you don't want to. The sensor is smart enough on its own. And privacy is one huge advantage of that. Additionally, it means that the sensor can also learn. Mm -hmm. Now, you might ask yourself, Why does a fitness tracker need to learn anything? The biggest challenge is that no one does fitness in the same way. Every individual has their own style, which makes it very difficult for fitness tracker designers to actually design a standard solution. This new sensor actually makes it easy to personalize the fitness tracker to the individual. As the user starts to use the device, then the sensor learns from the user itself and personalizes the tracking system for that user. So you and I, Melina, we have different body shapes. We're different heights. One of us might be be more flexible (laughs) than the other. Can't be proven exactly, at least not via the podcast. But um, so what that means is that the same exercise will look somewhat different from the tracker's point of view. Oh, yeah, and we experienced that when... I first tried the tracker. <laughs> what should I do? What should we both do? Jumping jacks. Jumping jacks. Okay. We try jumping jacks then. Yeah, put your phone down, weirdo. No exercise detected yet. I've never seen someone do a jumping jack wrong before. <laughs> Melinda, I, I think I need to apologize. That that wasn't very nice of me. I'm sorry. That was a little mean. It's okay. Oh, God, listening to that. It's okay. I can take it. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It's, it's because you're such you're such a unique individual. And, but, but right. that's what Kostub what <laughs> right. was saying later. It was actually a perfect example that it didn't, the, the tracker didn't acknowledge it at first because you were doing jumping jacks in your own individual way. <laughs> Yeah, because she is trying to do in her own way, and let her do it in her own, in her own way, and it is then the job of device to actually learn what is her her own way, in order to uh, recognize this as jumping jacks. And as we saw in the next try, uh, in the meantime, the device had adapted 
to her style and then in the next try the device was also automatically tracking her style of doing jumping jacks <laughs> Something. <laughs> Melina, I love I love how it finally started recognizing it and then you immediately stopped. <laughs> it goes clink and then she's done. Nope, that's it. I'm done. Oh, I can still remember that feeling of total triumph. <laughs> I'm so glad that it worked out eventually. And actually, over the following days, I had the impression that the tracker got better and better at recognizing my very individual movements. Yeah, I, I had the I had the same experience. So <laughs> adapting to each user's style is one thing that the AI inside the sensor can do, but it can also learn entirely new exercises. So exercises that it doesn't have training data for. Some of the most popular ones are pre-programmed, like the jumping jacks that we did as an example. But since everyone has a different workout routine, it can't cover all of the different exercises. But the sensor has a learning mode, so you can teach it new tricks. This sensor can be trained by the user, and that can actually offer more functions than it was originally programmed for. And it's super easy. You can do the, a new movement just a handful of times, and then it recognizes it on its own. I tried this with V-ups, which are a form of abdominal crunch that, to be honest, I'm not really a fan of. But, but anyway, the sensor figured it out, and after just a few repetitions, it worked perfectly. Which not only makes the device much more useful and versatile, it should also help sparing it from the fate of so many other gadgets. So when I bought my first fitness tracker, I was so excited that for the first week or so, I was daily using it and constantly looking at how the tracker is actually tracking my steps and so on. One week later, somebody had to remind me to use this. So my wife or uh, my colleagues <laughs> and so on. So, hey, I don't see your tracker. And two or three weeks later, I actually started to make excuses, saying that, oh, it's not charged. <laughs> oh, I forgot it there. Uh. And probably a month later, actually, I kept it into a drawer, which I do not even remember where I had kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've I've had similar experiences. The the novelty mm -hmm. of those things can wear off pretty quickly. This one though can grow with you, which is thanks to the AI adapting and learning instead of being static. Right. So after we picked up our shiny new tracking devices from Costube, we started exercising. And we kept each other posted about our experience. Well, hello, hello. Day one, I just managed to finish um, the afternoon workout. I did it quite late, uh, probably around 6.30, I think. Which consisted of 100 jumping jacks, 50 single leg deadlift, 25 Russian twists. And I think I can definitely <laughs> improve that number. But I also realized that we didn't actually say how many rounds we were going to do. I did five. So a little bit more than you, I guess. Ha ha. A little bit more than you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we didn't just keep each other posted. You just enjoy teasing me, don't you? Admit it. I, I, I can't admit that. That's, that's fine. But 
if I'm if I'm fair and honest right now, certainly I was I was teasing you a little bit more than the other way around. You're just Melina. You're just too nice. You're too friendly. You know. I can um, change that. I, I no would be terrified. Um, but hopefully my <laughs> hopefully my little my little teasing my little pokes helped keep you motivated. It did. It did. Although that was also partially someone else's role. Our drill instructor Jan Philipp Zimfendorfer. He helped us create the workout schedule. JP. Uh, it's what we call him for short, because he's the owner and the head coach at CrossFit Stuttgart, the gym I mentioned earlier. So I'm a big fan of functional fitness. I am not a big fan of um, using a lot of machines where you either press weight away or you, you're going to be um, in a position that you would normally not be in just within everyday life. So everything that I do with personal uh, clients basically comes down to, hey, we're going to move with our bodies. We're probably going to use a couple of bands with different resistance, maybe a dumbbell and a barbell. But everything else, we're just going to do with the body weight. Body weight, right. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. Also, that's what you can easily do at home, right? Because mm-hmm. JP's gym was closed due to the lockdown here in Germany. Right, which fortunately kept JP from bothering us too much. Because typically... He's right there with you, and he's certainly not shy about giving you feedback during your exercise. There is a reason why you have two ears but only one mouth. So listen twice (laughs) as much as you talk. And if you're going to take that in consideration and you listen carefully and you make sure that you live and breathe that everything that your coach says might probably help you, you're probably going to have a quick um, way to the top. And I'm terrified. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and I definitely feel like JP is uh, speaking to me directly there because when I would go to the gym, for sure, me and the guys were talking way too much. Um, Of course. So so anyway, during during our week of exercising, JP couldn't get involved too much. Which is why we relied even more on the fitness tracker to keep us Mm -hmm. motivated and also to correct our movements if we did them wrong. But more on that later. JP, by the way, uh, he's not too excited about fitness trackers that are currently on the market. I wouldn't say I'm a big geek about fitness trackers, but I'm also not someone that is not interested in. So I would say if I have something that helps me to regulate my sleep, that makes me feel good about calories are burned, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to have. Obviously, for an everyday athlete that is maybe spending an hour of fitness every day, six to seven hours a week, um, is it necessary? Probably not. Mm, let's see if the Bosch fitness sensor can convince him. For him, I guess it will basically all be about what can this device actually do for me? Mm-hmm. Now, this being a tech podcast, uh, part of the fascination for it, of course, is also rooted in the technology itself. Right. We talked about the sensor being smart and able to learn, but we glossed over the fact that this means a real paradigm shift. Artificial intelligence no longer sits in a central location, a.k.a. the cloud, but on the device itself. Which is basically the definition of edge AI. When, when you think of all of our devices um, individually as nodes of a network, the AI is actually itself located on the outer edges. It's processing and analyzing data right there where the data is being generated instead of having to send it to a central location. But how? As far as I know, AI algorithms can be quite resource-hungry. 
So let's bring back Cowstep. AI systems also including deep learning and some of the latest uh, developments in, in CNNs and so on. They generally require uh, microcontrollers, CPUs or GPUs, which can easily consume a current uh, in the orders of tens of milliamperes. Whereas uh, this technology actually can run easily under 70 microamps during runtime inside the sensor's microcontroller. Microampere. So that essentially means the AI on the sensor is not a drain on the battery, which is always an issue in wearable devices. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Uh, whenever, whenever you want to use it, it's not charged. So the power problem then seems to be solved. Wow. Mm, solved by Bosch engineers in Sweden, actually. Here's one of the developers, Thomas Nielsen. So it, it's really about keeping the memory to minimum and do performing very little computations. That makes sense. When you do less computing, you need less power. But then this can negatively impact the results as well. What Thomas realized is you don't need to look at all the sensor data all of the time. So inside this fitness tracker, you have a gyroscope and an accelerometer. And these two sensors each send three coordinates, X, Y, Z. So the algorithm receives six values, which constantly change. That's the input signal. But then it has to be smart about how it handles the signal. And to our dear listeners, if you want to learn more about those sensors, feel free to go back to our episode about MEMS. We have the link in the show notes, and you can hear all about how extraordinarily tiny these things are. It's absolutely incredible to hear the scale that the engineers in Bosch have achieved with these things. Melina, you remember for that episode, you, you sent me one of the sensors, right? We had the box, you sent me the, mm-hmm. you sent me the top to tease me about <laughs> you got the, a present the thing of the me. gyroscope. Yes. Yeah, and then also in the bottom, <laughs> you, you uh, included uh, one of the MEMS sensors. And I almost missed the thing because it was so small sitting inside the box. <laughs> I thought it was just, you know, some sort of crumb. It was like the size of a grain oh, of rice. It was the really whole incredible. Point. I, yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I didn't. I mean, yeah, I knew they were small, but I just never conceptualized. They are incredibly tiny. Question is, when will I ever get a present from you? Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now I take back what I said about you being too nice. <laughs> I said I would change that. <laughs> <laughs> then you, you really need to be sure that you only capture the most essential parts of the signals or waves coming from the sensors. You cannot look at everything. That's going to be very costly. So you need to reduce it down to the the most important features of each exercise. And that takes quite some time to figure out what are the most important features that you can use to classify each exercise. So to paraphrase, each movement that we make creates a unique sensor signal. And the trick is to focus on the parts of that signal which are characteristic for the target movement. This is kind of like separating the signal from the noise, like we talked about in the Soundsea episode. Uh, Yeah, right. And um, when thinking of that Soundsea episode again, I mean, we were talking to our fantastic colleague Sam Does in the U.S., and... Well, I mean, he managed to send Bosch technology to the International Space Station. So that was just freaking amazing. I mean, think about it. There's Bosch technology in space. (laughs) How cool is that? 
well, you know, we have the American expression, it's out of this world. <laughs> exactly. To say that something is something is really incredible and then it is literally out of this world at this point. That's pretty cool. I dig it. I dig it. Anyway, back to our fitness tracker and our colleagues in Sweden. From there, Thomas Software builds a model of the exercise, a mathematical description of it. One of the most difficult problems is how you're going to model or extract information from the signals in a generic way. You have to find uh, some common model among all exercises, basically. So you need to be able to model all exercises in some way that you can describe them. And I think that is one of the biggest problems because the exercises are quite different. And then you need to find some common ground that you can use the model. So this is where the AI comes in. Right. But that leads to new problems. One has to do with the fact that the system keeps learning. But the challenge with traditional AI systems is that if you want to add new activities or new classes for classification, then you need to retrain the data sets. And in order to retrain the models, you need original data sets and then need to add additional data sets to it which means that an end user could not do it. Mm, so that's one challenge. The other related problem is what type of artificial intelligence should you use? We often hear about neural networks, for yeah, example. Yeah, for sure. They're certainly uh, in vogue. Definitely state of the art. Right, but you couldn't possibly train a neural network on a wearable device. So Thomas had to find a smarter solution. Yeah, we use some special filters that are tuned to these exact signals and the structure of the signals. And we use some traditional kind of tracking algorithms that are similar to kind of Kalman filters. Kalman filters. I mean, those are obviously part of every Bosch job interview, so I obviously know what these are. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> But I mean, I'm learning something new every time we, well, talk to some of our great guests. So um, yeah, Kalman filters uh, is something that Thomas used in his previous job where he dealt with signal processing for wireless communication. That's what he told me. <laughs> to use these kinds of algorithms in a fitness tracker hasn't been done before, as far as he knows. Okay, so this is representing another paradigm shift. Not only is what the sensor does new, but also the approach to doing it is novel. By the way, we should mention the sensor also has limitations. Thomas' work is not done. Some exercises are easier to classify than others. What's important is that you have a cyclic movement. One difficult exercise could be burpees, for instance, because in burpees you have many orientations. You're standing, you're also in plank position, you're jumping, and you're doing push-ups. This is, of course, a cyclic movement, but it's got many different subparts in it. So the more subparts you have in the movement, then, of course, it becomes more complicated and potentially also more costly to compute and classify because the signal has a very special kind of feature and characteristics. Burpees, yes, definitely rather complicated. <laughs> But for shorter cycles, like in most exercises, the device can do real-time recognition of your exercise. And that kind of gets us full circle. <laughs> speaking of cycles. Uh, but because 
if you can do the recognition directly on the device and you don't have to send all the sensor data into the cloud or to another device, that also helps save the battery. Mm-hmm, correct. So in a nutshell, that's what was going on inside the sensor while we were exercising. Oh my god, I hate Russian twists so much. Um, well, <laughs> what can I say, Melina? Uh, I'm sorry you had such a rough time with the Russian twists. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's not your thing. That's totally cool. I wonder who agreed on doing that exact exercise now every afternoon. But to be fair, there's also a lot worse ab exercises to be done. I mean, we could be doing V-ups or something like that. That's, uh, <laughs> to be honest, that's probably do more to flexibility. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I'm so glad that I no longer have to do that. <laughs> For those of our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about and complaining about, JP explains <laughs> the Russian twist. With the Russian twist, you're going to be in a seated position on the ground. You're going to lift uh, your heels up. Um, make sure that you're not going to have your legs fully extended, but a little bended. And then you're going to twist from one side to the other side. Make sure that you have your hands together and then place them on the ground <laughs> next to your hip. Twist to the side and then go to the other side. <laughs> no idea why I'm having such a hard time with that exercise. <laughs> well, didn't you get better at it over time? <laughs> mm, is that a trick question? <laughs> I don't know. That exercise in particular really seems to be my ant boss. Mm-hmm. What did get better over time, I think, uh, was the tracker's ability to detect my individual movements and react to it. So at some point, I just started the workout, which, as mentioned uh, before, consisted of a set of four different exercises. And as soon as I switched between the exercises, the tracker immediately recognized that. Yeah. Totally agree. I especially appreciate the the automatic and real-time repetition tracking. It's it's really helpful for bodyweight workouts, so you know that you're doing the movement appropriately. There is one functionality on the device that we didn't really have a chance to try, and that is that it could actually provide feedback. Remember when you were doing your special <laughs> jumping jacks wrong? <laughs> I thought we agreed that I just did them in my very own individual special way. (laughs) (laughs) Special. Special is a great word for that. Let's just say that you didn't do them exactly the way JP would have liked. Agreed. And you're not alone. People misunderstand when they clap overhead. So sometimes you see, hey, uh, they have their feet together, but already their hands clapped overhead, or they're just going to miss the jump, or they miss going back to touching the thigh. Everything that you can imagine of, people do wrong in a jumping jack. (laughs) And I think I did all of that. (laughs) But it it makes me feel a little better. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) So so we went the route of having the tracker adjust to your style. But it would also be possible for the app to tell you where you went wrong. That is, how your movement differed from the, quote, standard. So that's where other functions of this sensor can help. So, for example, orientation tracking, in order to say that this is the place where you actually missed, where you actually could have turned your wrist much better. Or this is the place where you could have bent a little bit more and tried harder in order to actually do this activity. 
Normally, this would be the role of a personal trainer like JP. But I can see that, especially with home workouts, this technology could be really useful. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to replace the coach. It could also offer an extra layer of information to the coach directly. So they could look at the data and draw their own conclusions. So I'm pretty sure that when this technology comes in the hands of users, coaches will try to find out a way of communicating to their students, making use of the digital platform. And also probably for talent hunt, when they see the performance of a person in a digital form, they can actually find out uh, a talent within their region or within their country and so on in a much more easier way. Right. I could definitely imagine a button that allows me to share my training data with some coach or talent hunter. Well, maybe not my data, because, I mean, no clue what a talent hunter would possibly do with my training data, except of <laughs> throwing his or her hands up in horror. <laughs> but generally speaking, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's the point. You are in control of your own data, which is absolutely the important part. And actually, that could be interesting for professional athletes as well. Mm-hmm. They might be concerned with whatever record they're getting analyzed that their training information might end up in the wrong hands, you know, the hands of the competition. But with the processing happening directly on the sensor, that risk is much lower. They can safely send analytics to their coach, plus video tracking of athletes is often used nowadays, and that could have a downside. For all practice sessions, it is actually recommended to not to being photographed by coaches because then uh, they they find it difficult to to concentrate or to deliver their highest performance and uh, during practice sessions is is the time when they need the feedback the most and so visual technologies may not be ideal for those who would want to go to the next level speaking of next level there is also a next level for edge ai sensors for instance there's a lot of research on using multiple sensors and combining them That would allow the tracking of more complicated movements, as in dancing or martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess we'll just have to produce another episode about that when uh, when oh, that yeah. technology is there. Do that. And I feel I feel like you and I we really couldn't be more excited about it. But I'm really wondering about Coach. What is what does JP think? Mm, yeah. In the beginning, you heard him say that current trackers aren't really a big hit for him. With everything we learned about this Edge AI tracker, let's see his verdict. Anything that makes things a little easier, that helps people count their reps properly, if that's something that detects maybe a mistake um, while they do the movement, anything that helps them just to move a little better and move a little faster and make sure they're going to reach their goals, that's something that I would like to use. So I'm a fan. <laughs> and we did not pay him to say that. There is no paid advertisement in From No Hotel. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not counting the uh, the two-year contract that I had to sign with them. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I certainly did not do that. Jeff, I must say, I learned a lot about CrossFit and especially about Russian twists. And jumping jacks? Oh my God, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> and the Bosch Fitness Sensor is a super interesting piece of technology. Yeah, for sure. And And to be clear, again... The tracker that we tested is really only a demo device. But but you'll for sure see these sensors in the products made by well-known manufacturers of, you know, your standard fitness tracking devices pretty soon. I think the main thing here is how cool is Edge AI? 
having my smartwatch learn from me and adapt to me, that sounds so promising to me. And again, doing it right on the device and without compromising your privacy. Or draining the battery. Yeah, for me, the most interesting experience was really the speediness that this allows for. Because when you can do an energy-efficient signal analysis directly on the device, that means you're getting the real-time results. And we saw that the movements were recognized on the smartphone app right away. Mm. So you didn't have to sit around and wait for a report to bounce back from the cloud. I must say I'm glad that we did something for our personal fitness too. However, for our next episodes, <laughs> we're back to staring at screens. That's right. Visual analytics. Yes. It's all about finding mistakes in AI algorithms. Maybe they should give that jumping jack algorithm an extra check. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. Uh, it's day number five. Um, <laughs> I'm just pretty glad that it's Friday. <laughs> that the weekend is almost here and maybe I'll end up on the couch. <laughs> okay. All right, Milena. Well, that uh, officially wraps up our little experiment. Um, I think uh, I thought it was only fair to uh, uh, <laughs> offer you a little uh, a little recording as well that uh, had me not quite having uh, <laughs> caught my breath yet. So here we go. Last run for the trip. But uh, it was a good time, so well done, um, high five, and uh, <laughs> until next time, bye. Oh, well.